0: Hey, this is Dave Ryder from New Spring Church here in beautiful Perth, Western Australia. Really praying that this message is going to help you. If you'd like some more information about our story, just head to newspring.org.au. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. On behalf of our New Spring family and also the Ryder family, wishing you a very, very Merry Christmas. Can we give our volunteers a great hand as they've served us this morning? These guys have been here early since 7 o'clock and um, mind you, in the Ryder household, um, I think our children were up from about four something, is that right? Kayla couldn't sleep so what Kayla did was wake up Jackson. So I'm anticipating by midday it is, who knows what is going to happen in in the Ryder household. Well, by now, all of us should know whether or not Santa made it to our house or not. In fact, um, as far as the Ryder family is concerned, there were three cookies left out last night and a glass of milk, and I don't know who did it, but someone ate two cookies last night. <laughs> Just saying, someone ate it. And um, in previous years, we would have probably realized if we made it, um, if Santa did make it or not, because it came down to a list, didn't it? The um, naughty or nice list. I'm anticipating most of us have been Nice. We all need Jesus. We've been naughty. <laughs> all need the Lord. But in the last couple of years, there's actually been a, um, another reason why Santa may not have actually made it all around the world. And um, I saw a picture of one reason why, and it was kind of like this one over here. Uh, the world has kind of changed. There we go. Um, so anyone who's looking under their Christmas tree, Santa may still be on. In fact, he might be arriving right now. <laughs> Christmas came here fast, didn't it? I remember last year saying Christmas came here fast as well, but it seems to come around fast every single year, it kind of comes unexpected and maybe there's a good reason why, it takes us by surprise. But Christmas is the time of the year where we are filled with hope of something new, for something that is out of this world. In fact, C.S. Lewis wrote uh, a while ago, obviously, he wrote, once in our world a stable had something in it that was bigger than our whole world. That's a really profound quote and and statement if you really think about it. Christmas is the time of year where in unison, everyone, people around the world, we will sing with hearts that are full and we will sing a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder break a new and glorious morn. Weary. Interesting how that word weary finds its way into that great carol. I think weary is probably a good word for 2021. Anyone feeling a little bit weary? I think that there is a weary world at the moment because the events and the um, significance of 2020 has finally caught up with us. And um, for a moment, possibly for a couple of days, we get to catch our breath. But I'm sure that as the world catches their breath, the weary world is actually not rejoicing. But the Christmas promise actually promises that a weary world can rejoice. And I'm intrigued as to what this promise is. It actually would cause a weary heart, a weary soul, a weary nation, a weary world to actually burst out in joy and absolute rejoicing. Is it possible for a weary soul to find joy? And the Christmas story right there at the very beginning lets us know that, yes, this is the whole point of the Christmas story i'm going to read in your hearing from luke chapter 2 verse 1 to 14 so just um listen as i um, read out the christmas story from luke's account at the time of the roman emperor augustus uh, he decreed that a census should be taken throughout the roman empire this was the first census taken when quinerius was governor of syria all returned to their ancestral towns to register for this census and because joseph was a descendant of king david he had to go to bethlehem in judea david's ancient home he traveled there from village from the village of nazareth in galilee he took with him mary his fiancee who was now obviously pregnant and while they were there the time came for her to be uh, for her baby to be born she gave birth to her first child a son She wrapped them snugly in strips of cloth and laid them in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared before them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people When the angels had returned to heaven the shepherds said to each other let's go to bethlehem let's see this thing that has happened which the lord has told us about this is god's word this is a pretty familiar story to us i dare say Um, we hear this story at least once a year We, we we sing about it we read it we we do all sorts of things i'm sure all of us have sung um carols hark the herald angels sing we've we know of um like silent night holy night Christmas cards have shepherds watching their sheep at night, and there are always nativity scenes where shepherds are gathered around a a feeding trough with a little baby in it. We're familiar with the sights and the sounds, especially if you've ever lived on a farm, you'd be quite familiar with the the, the sights and the sounds that would have happened on that um, very first holy night. So we're, we're, we're familiar with it. What we're less acquainted with, I really think, is the significance of the promise of that first holy night. The promise of peace on earth. And the reason why we're less acquainted with the promise of peace is because we hear the word peace and we just shrug our shoulders and go, oh yeah. Because we're all familiar when people use that word peace, aren't we? We, 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 we know what it's kind of like, we, we've, we've all know of situations where people have signed peace treaties only to break them. We, we, we know people have gone into situations and circumstances and they've gone into broker peace only to have their brokering just fall apart. We've all uh, seen TV, we've seen these beautiful, amazing models and, on the world pageants and they come up and they say, yeah, we really desire to see world peace as if they even know what peace is. All of us have spent a lot of energy trying to keep the peace in our lives, in our fa- especially in Christmas, Say, eh? How many of us today are going to try and keep the peace in our family? How's that going to work for you today? Probably the same as last year, eh? There's a difference between being a peacemaker and a peacekeeper, isn't there? But peace is the antidote for a weary world, but the question is what kind of peace? Because a Christmas story asks any person who is... Um, intrigued enough or pays enough attention to read the story, to sit in the story, to actually inquire of the story about different kinds of peace. The Christmas story asks you, whose peace have you bought into? Whose peace are you living in? And from the very beginning, it lets us know that there actually are different kinds of peace which are offered in this world. The Christmas story starts from verse 1. At the time of the Roman Emperor Augustus, he decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. The Christmas story happens at the height of Caesar Augustus's reign. He's the adopted son of Julius Caesar. He goes through a civil war and he is the one who becomes Caesar. He is the one who turns the Roman Republic into a Roman Empire. He is the one who self-proclaimed to bring peace and justice to the entire world. He is the one who is brought about the Golden Age. He is the one who has brought about and ushered in a period of the Pax Romana or the Roman peace. See, he bought in peace, he understood peace, but he accomplished peace, but his understanding of peace and his way of bringing peace was by military muscle and military might. There was bloodshed, there were sores, there were crucifixions, there was conquering. It was indeed the golden age. It was the Pax Romana. And Augustus Caesar, he ruled as king and he was actually the self-proclaimed prince of peace. And why is this significant? Well, it's significant for us to understand, us who are so separated by time and space and generations, it's really important for us to understand and recognise that 5 BC, at the time of Jesus being born, there already was a Prince of Peace. There already was someone who considered himself the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I think it's kind of, um, I don't know, I smirk a little bit at God's audacity, to be honest. They're right in the middle of this Pax Romana, the Roman peace, where there is this self-proclaimed Caesar Augusta, who's saying, I am the Prince of Peace. God doesn't seem to have any problem. In fact, he seems pretty confident at actually bringing a fulfillment, which is 700 years in the making. At the time, the very time, where this guy, this king, this Caesar, is prancing around, claiming that he is a prince of peace. Isaiah 9, verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Because when God comes to reclaim what is rightfully his, he has no problem outing any and every imposter. He has no problem. You will come up and say, I'm the Prince of Peace. And he says, ah, yet yeah, not." Nah. Right under Caesar Augustus knows he actually births a promise 700 years in the making. In the midst of someone running around, masquerading as a Prince of Peace, is born the true Prince of Peace, right under his nose. God's trying to get our attention with the Christmas story. And it's right there in the very first sentence. He's trying to get our attention. Whose peace have you bought into? Whose peace have I bought into? Because there are different Caesars running around this world, masquerading as princes of peace, offering offering peace and jesus comes to expose the vain counterfeit offers and to present us with what can only come from god something that comes from out of this world so whose peace have you received christmas 2021 it came here fast absolutely took us by surprise every year is going to take us by surprise and that's the point point. and christmas asks us the question whose peace have you bought into and I know you're sitting here, nice little Christians, you're doing a Christian thing, and you're thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm born into Jesus' peace. Okay, let's check that out. There's a lot of different pieces. In fact, there's a fire sale of peace happening in the world today. There's a fire sale that's happening because there are so many things that are offering us, you and me, peace of mind. What have you bought into that's offering you peace of mind? There's a fire sale. There's all, like, I just wrote down a couple of things. What about insurances? Man, insurances bring you peace of mind, don't they? What about like the safety measures, like the things you need, I need to feel safe, I need to feel secure, I mean, that brings you peace of mind. What about the things that are solved for our health, the places we go for health? What about technology? What about war? What about political promises? This political promise offers this, this political um, party offers something else, that's gonna bring us peace of mind. Okay, it's a Caesar. We broker in escapism, because if we feel like if we escape, we're going to have a little bit of peace. So we broker in things like consumerism, like holidays, like new cars, new lifestyles. We can even rebrand ourselves in 2021. We never were able to do that. I can actually rebrand myself. You may look at me and say, Dave, you ain't nothing much, but I have the ability, and so do you, to rebrand and remarket myself to be anyone I can be on social media. I can do it. And I can post stuff, and as, and what I post on social media may have nothing to do with the reality. The blur between what is real and what is just like, like just a, a fictional thing is kind of like really blurred at the moment. And here's the deal. I can post something on social media, and if you give my post a like, that means that you like me. And I have some peace of mind. But guess what? If you don't like it, I'm going to delete that sucker. Has anyone deleted posts? You didn't get as many likes as you want obviously people don't like you it's all right you're in church we love you we don't like you we love you Jesus peace is nothing like the peace of the Caesars of this world but the Caesars of this day they still masquerade and they still march and they still offer the fire sale is still on So let's step into the story and let's just see how Luke kind of brings this together. Verse 1, as I've read, at the time of the Roman Empress Augustus, um, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. Really important for us to understand that the Roman Empire pretty much meant the entire world. So what God is actually doing, he's letting us know there's this huge scope. It's almost like a movie director has this super, super wide shot. And a wide shot includes the entire world, which lets us know that what God is up to, the plan, the peace project, whatever he's wanting to do in this story, this actually includes anyone and everything. It includes the entire world and from there bit by bit there seems to be a focus that goes from this extreme wide shot and it comes in bit for a bit we go from the entire world the roman empire to syria and then from syria we go from nazareth to bethlehem and from bethlehem we go to the fields and finally we come to the shepherds where the scripture says suddenly an angel of the lord appeared among them and the radiance of the lord's glory surrounded them they were terrified And like a masterful movie director, Luke is calling for the suspense and anticipation of the audience because we've been taken in closer and closer and closer. And with every shot, there's anticipation, there's more expectation, there's this tension which is happening. And finally, we are even taken even even closer to where we are actually taken in with an earshot of what has actually been spoken. The angel assured them, don't be terrified, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And as the angel is speaking that, the anticipation is growing even more. Because even though the announcement has been made, the nature of this announcement, the nature of this good news is still unknown to we who are listening, to we who are inquiring of this story. Verse 11, we are told what this good news is. The Saviour, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of God. And you will recognise him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Oh, that's the news, a baby. But that can't be the extent of the good news. That's not the complete announcement because Luke's already told us in verse 7 that Mary gave birth. To her first child, a son. Now, this announcement goes far beyond just Mary giving birth to a son. It reaches and stretches to tell us of the significance of this birth, which is precisely why there is another suddenly. That's why I wanted to read it in your hearing. You could hear two suddenlies. Verse 13: suddenly. The angel was joined by a vast host of others in the armies armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. At that moment, as if, as if heaven could not wait anymore. The thin veil between heaven and earth is actually dropped. And there is this vast army of angels. They are singing and they are praising. They could not hold their tongue anymore. They are declaring the nature, the purpose, the point of coming of this baby. They couldn't hold it anymore. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. First and foremost, the birth of this beautiful son is for God's glory. And secondly, it is for us peace on earth that's the point these great purposes of the coming of jesus glory ever ascending to from man to god and peace ever descending from god to man because when god decides to reclaim what is rightfully His, there is no better way to sum it up than by saying that what happened on that one holy night was for his glory and for your peace but whose peace have you bought into That's the question. Who's peace? And what kind of peace has Jesus brought into this world? Because remember, it's a peace that comes from outside of this world into this world. Well, this year and also last year, we've been talking a lot about peace. We've been using language, which is actually peace language. Um, One professor, um, he says the closest word that we have for peace or shalom or irene, in, in the New Testament Greek is the word flourishing? Flourishing. Flourishing. I remember talking to uh, a couple of fellas about flourishing, and I was quite surprised with the response that the guy said to me. Like, like, like it was another church, like, pretty up there with, with, in leadership. He said, Oh, I don't really like that word flourishing, Dave, because it sounds a bit girly to me. Does fl- flourishing sound girly to you? I was thinking, Man, you might have a problem with flourishing, but if you want to live in it, flourishing is are really, probably the closest word that we have to what God is talking about by peace. This peace project which has started. It means the total well-being, the prosperity and security associated with God's presence among his people. It means each individual element in creation flourishes whether that be a person, that be a tree, or that be an animal. It means that every individual relationship flourishes. It means every group flourishes. Every system flourishes. Every family flourishes. Every business flourishes. Every school, every nation flourishes. It means that every relationship between every group of individuals and natural world of creation, it all flourishes. Could you imagine the entire world flourishing? Could you honestly imagine creation? Beautiful creation not dying but flourishing could you imagine relationships flourishing could you imagine the the, the systems in this world all of them working towards the flourishment of humanity the flourishment of creation this is the peace project that's the point peace on earth it's that kind of peace here's the problem I reckon a lot of Christians reckon Jesus is trying to sell us insurance you know, life after death. No, 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 no. This is actually going beyond this. Jesus not an insurance salesman. I know you'd be kind of like. like. No, no, no. This is actually, this is, a, this is a holistic, this is incredible. This is literally, get this, this is literally a global idea. In fact, it's actually a cosmic idea. Sometimes we as Christians, we point fingers at people looking after the environment, looking after this, saying, why are you doing that? And, and, and the point is, we as followers of Jesus Christ, we should be in the f- front of the line doing that. Because we, we're supposed to understand that there's a peace project. But we don't understand what kind of peace it is. Imagine your life becoming everything it could possibly be god creates the whole world and he wants it back and through jesus he is working at his peace in our lives and in his world right now imagine your marriage a flourishing marriage who'd like a flourishing marriage seriously like three of you are you kidding me (laughs) you can have a great marriage or a really bad marriage it's your choice if you're going to be married have a great marriage I mean, like, seriously, till death do us part. You're going to be with this person for a long time? So if you're going to be married, do it well. That's what I think, anyway. You know, if I'm going to be like, if Andrew's going to be walking with me for the next 50 years, I want to have a good 50 years. That's what I'm thinking. What about your family? What about your children? What about your church? What about a policy? Imagine if politics could possibly fly. That would be a Christmas miracle. Amen. That would be a Christmas miracle. Imagine Australia becoming everything it could possibly be. The angels declare at the birth of Jesus Christ that this is for his glory and it is for our peace. That's the kind of peace. And with the birth of Jesus, God is making the boldest, most audacious declaration possible and makes his intentions known in no uncertain terms. He says, I want it all back And I will put it all back together again. That's what he's declaring. But the question still lingers for us here today. Jesus' peace is not like Pax Romana. No, no, no. It's a different kind of peace. And it comes a different way. An invitation has been offered. And Jesus waits patiently. And the question lingers, whose peace have you received and whose peace have you bought into and living in today? Luke 2.14 corrects a couple of Christmas carols, corrects the old King James Version of the Bible. For those of you who love that, I'm sorry to demolish your um, thing. But verse 14 says, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. See, the Christmas story is asking us a personal question, asking us to make a choice. Whose peace? Whose peace? When Luke says to those with whom God is pleased, we have to simply enter the story. Sending and receiving Christmas cards is not going to really cut it when it comes to living in the peace of Jesus Christ. Singing some carols won't do it, even attending a church service doesn't mean a thing unless you and I have entered in and are participating in the story of God because right now there is a peace project at hand and all of us are invited in to participate in it. It is an open invitation, the promise still stands and a weary world may well be getting more and more weary but if you look closely, if you pay attention, if you look around, you will see something else. You will see that there is a a remnant who are being renewed while others are growing more and more weary. There are those with whom God is pleased. And in their lives and in their hearts, the peace project has begun because God is bringing every broken piece back together again and what allows this promise to be outworked is nothing that they have conjured up it's nothing that they have done it's nothing that they have earned in their own merit there are absolutely no spiritual giants walking the land at the moment there are certainly no spiritual giants in new spring church lest we start to become arrogant and look down on people no 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 that remnant they are the few who have heard the promise received the invitation and simply entered into God's story in order to participate and live in it because the Word became flesh over 2,000 years ago. The Peace Project has begun. And our beautiful Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, He is certainly coming again to finish what He has begun. And what makes this promise so available and so significant is because on one holy night, over two thousand years ago, it was Noel, Noel, Noel. Born is the King.